Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Washington fans? Welcome to the Burgundy Network podcast, part of the full press coverage Washington Network. This podcast is brought to you by 500 Level, who specializes in officially licensed t-shirts to help you rep your favorite sports teams and players. Grab your shirt from 500 Level, and there's no doubt it'll be your most complimented shirt, and use our code BNP20 to save 20% off your order. I'm Josh Taylor, your host. Haven't had a shower in 36 hours because of this wonderful winter storm. Luckily got electricity back. Didn't know if I would or not. And joining me as always, Brian Murphy, a.k.a. Murph. And special guest today, Nathan Coleman, a.k.a. Nasty Nate. Not going to go too much into that. Nathan is a contributor. <laughs> he I mean, is a contributor. You're taking a shower for 36 hours. I mean, you, can, you can go into the name if you really want, but I don't think anyone cares about that. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might be nasty JT after this one. But yeah. Nate is a contributor for the Full Press Coverage Network. Also, he is your numbers guy's favorite number guy. Nate, welcome to the podcast. First time having you on. How you doing? Fantastic. I'm ready to go. Awesome. So, obviously, we have this matchup with Seattle, and I want to start, Nate, we got the 6-7 and seven Washington football team taking on the 9-4 Seattle Seahawks. This Seattle team is not the same as we're used to in past years. Not a lot of people have watched Seattle this year, maybe, so if they haven't, how would you say the identity of the Seahawks team looks like? They had a coming-to-Jesus moment in the offseason where they discovered that it makes more sense to put the ball in the hands of their best player as much as possible. So instead of running the ball on first and second and sometimes third down, they decided, oh, we have a top three quarterback. Let's Russ cook. And that's what they've done. And go figure, their offense has been so much better. Um, so I, they're they're explosive at running the ball, but, I mean, they're at their best passing it deep. Yeah, that's what Russ does best, and the numbers show it. He is tied in the league uh, – third place with Aaron Rodgers in passing yards at 3,685. Like you talked about, his biggest weapon is letting it cook and letting it rip deep to DK Metcalf, who is often compared to Terry McLaurin saying, who's the better wide receiver? So if you had to pick one right now, would you rather have DK for the next five years or Terry McLaurin? Oh, DK. DK for sure. Uh, I know I know that hurts you guys to hear that. but <laughs> It's all right. Uh, with receivers, man, the big thing is like age for me, and DK is like two years younger. So I love Terry McLaurin; he's great. Um, and I don't think you can really go wrong with AJ Brown either. I think they're all in the same tier. But if I had to pick one, it's DK. Just his physicality, the way he can score touchdowns, he can beat you all over the field. Um, he's just—he's the full package, man. He's having a historic second year. Yeah, I mean, you—you you can't go wrong. And he's only—is he 22? He's not even 23 yet. I think. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. Beat. I mean, Terry, Terry is already 24, so he's—he's he's getting up there. Not really. But. I know you're all about the ceilings and the age uh, for wide receivers. Yeah, Don't blame you. Like you said, DK is slightly younger. Impressive. Second in the league in receiving yards with uh, currently at 1,180, which is nuts. And that's fifth crazy. in touchdowns with 10. 
that's the one thing that Terry's lacking right now with touchdowns. Would you say that's a knack on him or just kind of how our offense is running? No, I mean, you're talking about with DK and AJ Brown, they're in the perfect situation. They have two of the most efficient passers in the league. So, I mean, those touchdowns, touchdowns are really random. You know, it, it, it kind of just depends a lot of times. And DK happens to have like the best deep ball passer in the league, maybe in league history. So, I mean, he gets a lot of single coverage and go figure when he gets in single coverage, he's one of the top five graded PFF receivers when he gets in single coverage. And that happens a lot. I don't know why people leave him in single coverage, but they do. They don't learn their lesson. They yeah, going go to, to both of those guys, I think Terry was asked about it and he was like, it's not about the one-on-one thing. It's Seattle versus Washington. You know, I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those guys. I'm just curious, like, if we were to look at DK Metcalf, if we were to look at A.J. Brown and put them on Washington, would they have yeah. the same numbers? You know, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. There's something to be said about that Terry is able to to still produce with the with how many quarterbacks he's played with. You know what I mean? Like, so yes. I'm just curious how those guys would, like, compare if they were on different teams so i think they all have great traits but uh you know i, I love terry mccorn but y- you're right you're absolutely right dk metcalf obviously is a freak of nature and uh he proves that week in and week out so we talk about how good seattle's passing offense is let's talk about washington's passing defense third in the league currently so if you had to pick a corner on our team that you'd feel most comfortable about covering DK, which obviously I don't think there's one that's going to be as good as Bradbury or even uh, how Jalen Ramsey was against DK. Who's the one guy you want covering DK on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a team effort. I know that's like coach speak, you know, cliche (laughs) to say, but you can't leave this guy alone with a single guy. So what you're going to have to do is a lot of zone coverage, a lot of cover two where you jam him at the line of scrimmage, try to reroute him. I mean, he's a He's a man child, so it's gonna be hard to do. But yeah. it's gonna take it's gonna take you know coverage underneath and coverage over the top. A lot of too high. And zone is, yeah, yeah, and zone has has frustrated him a little bit because he's not he's still young and he's not used to like finding holes in zone as much as like Tyler Lockett. Lockett is so good at that, and you'll watch it on Sunday. Like he gets he always knows how to get open when Russ starts scrambling. So that's gonna be big. But yeah, it's gonna be a team effort, and we'll see what happens. And we're thin at safety, unfortunately, so that's gonna be interesting to watch all game. Yeah, so you talked about that, so that's a good point to segue. Obviously, today we learned that Shays goes to the IR. Big hit because, you know, he has been a captain for the last few years, not only on special teams, but now we're seeing him playing a bigger role in defense. Do you think we should make a call? I know we've talked about this previously on a podcast about whether it's Eric Reed or whoever. Do you think we should make a call for this little playoff push we're going on, or do you feel good with Apke and Reeves? Yeah, I mean, it's the same argument, man. By the time you make the call and sign him and you go through COVID protocol, he's not going to make an impact on the team. He's yeah. <laughs> like maybe in time for the week 17 or maybe the playoffs, but he still has to learn the playbook, get used to his coaches, get used to his teammates, you know, go through all the protocol. So it's going to be a while, but yeah, I mean, they need they need depth. They got to do something. So hopefully they already have that in the works. But uh, last time he wasn't very interested. So I wonder what has changed. Maybe since we're a playoff contender now, yeah. <laughs> he might be a little bit more interested. Now that he knows he's not going straight to the practice squad. I don't yeah. think Cole Luke would be the answer. Um, but my question with Reeves is he's been phenomenal. Um, I saw something PFF said. Him and Curl were the highest graded like safety duos in the last like two weeks or something insane like that when they're on the field together. But my question is with safety, 
you know, you have these good flashes when you're on the field for a limited period of time, but can you sustain that, you know, success? Can you be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consistent. Can you be consistent at the safety level? Because if you get a big stop on first and second down, it means nothing if you get burned on third and long and give up a big touchdown. So do you think is that something Reeves could come in and sustain any kind of momentum to keep it going? Or do you kind of say, eh, he could possibly give up some big plays and erase all that? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the most volatile position on defense is defensive back. I mean, and it's not it's not all their fault. It's a hard position to play. It's a passing league, and the rules are skewed to help passing offenses. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, that's why if you can't lock down cornerbacks or lock down safeties, I mean, that's that's a rarity. It's scarce. Um, but that being said, I mean, the PFF grade is nice, but you got to remember that's just one game. So it's a, it's a tiny, tiny sample. They played good in that game, but you'd have to see that, like you said, consistently. And, I mean, they're the best we have. They don't have to be great. They just have to be average for us to have a shot. You know, because safety play before we were getting was subpar. So we don't need that much. We just need them to do their jobs. You don't have to, like, they don't have to make a defensive touchdown like they did last week. Like, that's yeah. it's such a rare occurrence, but they just have to do their job and not give up the big play. Yeah, and, and one of the things I think, like, the safeties have, like, really communicated well, whether it be yeah. Shays and Curl, whether it be Curl and, and Reeves, they've communicated well. So I hope that, that that the fact that they've done that, you know, that they'll kind of cover some weaknesses just based on the fact that they're communicating well. Because how many – I mean, how many seasons in the past have we heard that the defensive backs haven't been on the same page and they're they're still pointing around with you know as the play is unfolding? I mean, so it's nice to see that they're at least competent and at least know what's going on. So that gives me a little bit of hope. Um, I just I don't want to see Troy Apke in a meaningful game, and I don't want to see him out there. I want to see him out there as the least amount of time as possible. So. You know, if that means signing a vet, if that means, you know, grabbing somebody off the street, I, I'd, I'd much prefer that. Apke's gotten his shot, and it's been bad. Yeah, there is a recipe to beating Seattle, and I think that's definitely your front four. And that's what helps out your secondary. It takes a lot of pressure off in the secondary when you're causing pressure on the quarterback to where he's making bad throws or ill passes, not being able to go through his reads like he should. So taking a look at Seattle, they've given up 40 sacks this season, which coincidentally matches how many sacks Washington has this season at 40, which is fourth in the league. Do you think going up against Seattle's offensive line, that's the biggest mismatch in this game, Nate? Yeah, it's got to be. You're talking about a bottom three team in sack rate for Seattle, and then we're you know top five in pressure rate. So, I mean, that that's your mismatch right there. Uh, the catch 22 of that is like Russell buys more time in the pocket. Yeah. He can create. Yeah, you take more sacks, but it's okay to take more sacks if you're going to create more plays. And that's that's just what they've done. But we'll have to see what happens. I'd like to see uh, – we saw this last week a little bit. I'd like to see more uh, five down linemen. Um, just, just every once in a while. I'm not talking about like every time. But when you have five down linemen at once, you, the, it's easier to contain the quarterback because you have a smaller area that you don't have to worry about. And when you have five, you create more one-on-one matchups for Chase Young and Montez Sweat and all your studs out there. So I think that'll be interesting if you see a little bit more of that. I think one thing we're going to see some this week is more uh, blitzes with Cam Curl too. I think it kind of hurts, you know, getting uh, Shays lost because that kind of fills that void where you're able to bring a guy like Curl off. Um, But just random – blitzes with some disguised coverage and stuff like that. Like we saw Chase Young drop for like two seconds into coverage and then go after the quarterback. I think we're going to see more of that because 
if Russ thinks he can run and then he has a safety come off the edge, it really just throws him off, keeps him guessing. Russ is yeah. as smart as it gets as a quarterback. Um, even though he has 12 interceptions on the season, does that kind of throw you off? Do you kind of put that on him, or is it mostly the offensive line? Yeah, I mean, with interceptions, they're totally random for the most part. What I look at is, like, interceptable passes, because that gives you a better idea of, like, what are they actually doing? Like, like last year, I think Kyle Allen actually led the league in interceptable passes, um, and he had, he had a lot of interceptions, but the more interceptable passes you throw, the more likely you are to get interceptions. So, I mean, Russ is as efficient as it goes, and getting getting turnovers every once in a while is not a big deal for him because they can make up for it. A team like us, I, we, we can't have that. We can't no. have turnovers. We can't have anything like that because we don't have – our offense has to be incredibly methodical just for us to score a field goal, unfortunately. So. Yeah. It, that that's the that's the biggest thing I'm scared about with with Russ. I think our our, our front four, front five, like you're saying, Nate, that they can win, but it, it scares me when they get to the second level. I don't know that our linebackers are are ready for what Russ can do, and if he's able to escape that initial Russ uh, rush, I'm ru- sticking with Russ. <laughs> you got Russ on your mind, man. You're afraid. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> he keeps me up at night too. I've seen him so many times, just. Um, you know, like you said, I don't think he cares about taking a sack because even in the third and 20, he can still make something happen. And so I'm just like, that's like going through my head. It just makes me so nervous that the front four will probably do their job, but can the rest of the guys kind of hold on to, to finish off the play really? Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll tell you real quick. What's, what's interesting about that is, uh, so their offense ranks 10th in explosive plays generated, which is like any play greater than 15 yards. And they actually rank, I think second for rushes, which is interesting because Chris Carson hasn't played most of the year. Um, but our defense actually ranks first defending explosive plays like first in the league, which is really surprising because you always remember like those big big plays. (laughs) They've limited it though recently. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's what I was saying with Brian is we've, Instead yeah. of giving up big plays, we've been, you know, making the big plays on defense instead of giving up the deep passes. Go ahead, Nate. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, like, it, it coincidentally happened, like, once Dwayne Haskins got benched. Like, they were one of the worst teams in the league at uh, giving up explosive plays. And since he got benched, like, they've been the best team. And it, it has nothing to do with him, but it just – it's kind of random. You know, it has just a lot coincidentally. to do with Yeah, it's just coincidental. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking over the last month, if we're talking about these – uh, you know, this win streak, I can only think of like Amari Cooper's touchdown and then James Washington's touchdown as being the only like really like dagger big plays that this defense has given up. So uh, it's been nice to see where it seems like every year, you know, they're, they get gashed by a huge play out of nowhere. And so to see them start to limit that has been huge. And I think a, a big key to why they've been so good. So, looking at it on Seattle's side of the ball from defense, they used to be the Legion of Doom, completely different now. They're pretty much dead last in most categories on defense. What does this defense look like, and what's going wrong with them? Obviously, they have Jamal Adams, who has a very quiet eight and a half sacks on the season, which is nuts. But outside of him, you know, what, what all is going on with their defense right now? So, earlier they were on a historical pace for giving up passing yards, like historically bad, I should say. Um, but they've kind of tightened it up the past like five games. Um, they've been really strong against receivers, especially wide receiver ones and especially running backs. Um, but they, uh, they've they given up the most air yards to tight ends over the past five games. So that's kind of where they're susceptible over the middle of the field. So hopefully we'll see some of Logan Thomas get open and make some plays. Yeah. I was going to say, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was gonna. I, I was gonna jump in the same way that Washington's kind of limited their big plays. It seems like Seattle over this last month or so, just kind of from watching that they've really started to correct some of their defensive issues, which is kind of sucky to see that it's happening at the right time. Yeah, my biggest thing is if Colt McCoy and the Giants can beat this Seattle team, could <laughs> could Alex Smith or possibly Dwayne Haskins have a chance? Like, what is what's the chances of this? Like, Seattle looks beatable, but then, you know, they just demolish the Jets, they beat the Cardinals. Like, they have impressive wins, but then they just fall apart at the most random times. So, I'll kind of segue, because we did get a question about it, saying how confident – are you in the game if Alex plays and then how confident are you in the game if Haskins were to play? Yeah. So I, I don't think Alex plays. I would give him about like a, I don't know, 20% chance of playing. I don't, I don't think he plays I don't think from, so from what I've read and just kind of, you know, checking out some doctor reports and stuff, but you know, we, we don't know. We're, we're not the training staff obviously. Uh, and, and if I was a coaching staff, I would tell everyone he, he could play anyway, you know, just, just for gamesmanship. But uh, if, if Alex plays, you know, I got probably like a 6 out of 10. If, if Haskins plays, like right now the spread is 6 points or so, maybe 5 points. If, if they find out Haskins is starting, that's going to go up to like a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so I would have maybe 3 out of 10 confidence in Dwayne if he starts. I agree with you. I don't think Alex plays. Um, I, I don't think it's worth him playing, and I'll kind of get into yeah. that a little bit later on too. Um, but one question that we had that had to do with Haskins um, from at Young underscore – WFT 99. Um, he said he's been watching Haskins tape and he continues to see him scared in the pocket and throwing off his back foot. It just seems like he's not learning. What do you think about that? Um, do you think he's back next year? And what do you want to see this week from him that kind of makes you feel better about it? I would say like that third and goal from the three yard line in the second half, that was kind of a microcosm of what you've seen from Haskins all, all year, pretty much. He, he missed his drop back. He took 11 steps instead of 10, basically. Uh, so the pass rushers had, like, free reign to get to him. He didn't plant his foot. He didn't stick in the pocket. He threw off his back foot. He looked at one receiver the whole time. He predetermined where he was going to go with the ball. He didn't see the blitz, and he missed a wide-open receiver that was <laughs> – I mean, he was five yards open on, on the left side of the field. Yeah, and Sims. And who knows if Sims ca- catches it, of course. <laughs> Debatable. But yeah, and it's not fair. Like, that's one play. You don't want to be, like, too subjective with your analysis. But if you look at a big, you know, a big sample of what he's done this year, it's been kind of the same thing. He needs the offense to be simplified. He can't make easy throws. He's almost better, like, throwing intermediate passes than he is, like, short passes, which is which is odd. Um, but, but who knows? I mean, he could have one of those outlier games and just have a good game. You never know. The thing that throws me off with him, um, we kind of talk about it. We have a group chat. We just – talk Washington football of course um it just seems like his he always either goes towards the pressure like when he's trying to like move in the pocket or he just yeah. has no idea that he can actually step up in his pocket is that something that's fixable or like how long how long would that you know take to fix is it just a mental thing for Haskins yeah I mean I it's it's tough to say like pocket awareness is something he struggled with at Ohio State at Ohio State he had huge windows to throw in massive pockets i mean they were always the better team and they had like awesome skill position players so it it, it never got easier than in college for Dwayne. and all the issues that he struggled with in, in college have kind of manifested themselves in the pros and amplified even i mean he's gotten worse in a lot of ways so i mean it's it's tough I, he he doesn't sense pressure and he's almost worse at 
creating off script than he was last year, which is kind of crazy. And to jump in, like, is he going to be back next year? I don't know how you guys feel, but like, I don't see any way that he is like, unless he were to like come out and assuming he starts on Sunday and throws four touchdowns. And then, you know, I just, I don't see how this, he comes back. I feel like he got his shot with Ron and for whatever reason, Ron sees or doesn't see what he needed to see or didn't need to see, you know, like I just don't see how there's a formula or a way for him to come back. I don't know how you guys feel on that. Well, I think even if we don't get a quarterback, like he would be QB three. Like you saw that we rode with Allen until he got hurt. Like I feel like he would be the starting quarterback right now. And we've seen enough out of Alex to say, okay, he's not as good as he used to be, but he's still the same Alex winning games, you know, managing quote unquote, hate to say it, but, and then you have Dwayne at QB three. And if we get another quarterback, like he's, he's gotta be gone. Nate, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, he's really cheap. So unless his value goes up, I don't see them doing anything with him. So I think he's just sticking around. Kyle Allen, isn't Kyle Allen only on a one-year deal? It's only one year. Um, and so I'd be interested to see, like, what happens with it. I thought – I mean, he's been the best quarterback this, this season so far, just by all the raw numbers. And in a small sample, but uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I He's going to have his shot, I think, this week. But like I said, like, for him to have a chance of being the starter next year, he would have to – ball out the rest of the season and probably win a playoff game and play really well. Um, so I don't, I don't see that happening. So I don't think he's like the future or anything like that. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. Um, and then looking at Gibson, I don't think he plays. They haven't really said if he's going to play or not, but turf toe to me, that's just something you don't want to rush back. Um, we did sign Lamar Miller, but he can't play until next week at Carolina. Um, but Andy Burroughs over at the DC Tweet Team podcast said, do you guys see it worth the risk to maybe push Gibson to play, or do we save him for the remaining two games after this weekend? What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I think, man, I'd love to see him out there make a surprise start or something like that and give him a <laughs> yeah. boost on offense. But I really, more than that, would love to see him down the stretch, to see him against Carolina, which I think they can absolutely win, and Philadelphia, which they can absolutely win. Um yeah, I'd rather have him healthy, you know, you know, in those last couple of games and potentially for a playoff game, a playoff push than try to try to get him out there to get a big win against Seattle. It just doesn't seem worth the risk. And as much as I, I, I think that he is the key to this offense being successful, I think that uh, I think that you got to save him for, for later and make sure that that toe is completely ready to go. And you brought up Lamar Miller. I think that that's an indicator that, we might not see Antonio Gibson until at least week 17, maybe beyond. I don't know how you guys feel, but the fact that they're bringing in a guy like that, you know, maybe it is to be safe just to have that depth, to have a guy that's been out there before, but it just doesn't seem like Gibson's going to be back anytime soon. Yeah, I know Nate's the biggest Peyton Barber fan um, in the fan base, (laughs) so he was very upset to see this Lamar Miller signing, indicating any kind of competition to Peyton Barber. (laughs) Um, Obviously a lot of sarcasm. Yeah, man, uh, I agree with everything Brian said. Uh, I think if it was earlier in the season, uh, Gibson would have gone on IR for three games. But because it's later in the year, and there's some gamesmanship, like they're not, he's not playing this week, I guarantee it. But yeah, okay. they're going to be like, oh, yeah, he's on the sideline, he might play. It's the same thing with Alex, I feel like. Um, but I really don't see him coming back for at least three weeks. Uh, that, that's what the, with most people, like the toe, like a, a injury like that, that's about three weeks at the minimum. So 
I don't really buy any of the like. I don't. I'll listen to press conferences, man, but I don't buy into any of that stuff. Uh, coaches speak transactionally and on the field. So when you see them sign Lamar Miller, it's usually an indicator that like something is wrong and Gibson isn't going to be there for a little bit, which which sucks because he's one of my favorite players. And and again, I don't know how much you can read into practice photos and, and all that, but I saw that Dwayne Haskins, who I think has been taking all the the first mm-hmm. team reps, was handing off to uh, is it Mike Warren something Warren Michael Warren uh, yeah yeah. Oh, Mike. I, yeah, I saw him handing off to to number forty. So I, I don't know what that means, but it seems like he was at least out there for. Josh loves that. Time. <laughs> Nate hates it. So. Josh loves Michael Warren. <laughs> I like him. He was he was good when I was watching him in college. Like obviously he hasn't done anything in the NFL yet, um, but it's just it. You, I think you can agree with me that it's better than Peyton Barber. <laughs> Dude, yeah, no, I'll take anyone over Peyton Barber. I've been complaining about Peyton Barber like before he even signed. Since he was in Tampa was like, Bay. Better not sign Peyton Barber, and then that's who he signed. <laughs> he's really he's good for that one or two yards but to see him out there taking snaps from jd mckissick with gibson out was was infuriating to me yeah no i'm with you too like i i I talk a lot of trash on him but like i want him for short yardage situations that's Uh, it though (laughs) but first and ten he better not be on the field the other thing is like when he's in there they think they're gonna run it so like he's good for play action too because they expect them him to run it so and you know i love play action josh Yes, love it. And you love pass blocking as a running back, too. And Peyton Barber doesn't oh, do that either. So That I do not. <laughs> so, we're, so we're – obviously we need a running back. I agree with you all. Um, I think that was a sign that Gibson's probably going to be out for two or three weeks. So that leads me to a question. It's going to, you know, make a lot of fans mad. But do you see this as a possible – not resting game, but as a let's reserve ourselves for the playoffs game – might be down, Alex. You just lost Shays. Gibson's likely not playing. It's Seattle. You got Carolina and in, in, uh, Philly after that, which are two very winnable games, in my opinion. Brian, I know you'll agree with me. So, Nate, do you yeah. see this matchup against Seattle as like a no, give it your all, go for that playoff push, or are you kind of like, hey, you know, we can win these last two games. Let's not set ourselves up to fail with these injuries. Yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I think the fan base, a lot of, not a lot, a small contingent on Twitter probably thinks that way. Like, oh, man, we, we have injuries. Woe is us. But <laughs> I can guarantee you the players, they smell blood. The coaches, like, they, they want to win this game. I mean, this is this is their chance. Like, can you imagine in your first year and maybe the worst sports franchise, like, in sports for the past 20 years. Can you imagine, like, being a head coach and bringing them to the playoffs in the first year? Like, I'm sure that wasn't, like, their goal, but it would be amazing, even though it's the NFC East and it's not good. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're out there. They're going to be dogs. They want, they want to win this. And it's, it's a tough matchup, I agree. But, I mean, they yeah. you can't take anything for granted. Like, I know people are like, oh, Carolina, it's an easy win. Carolina's fine. Carolina's a good yeah. team. I mean, they're, they're not going to be a, a walk in the park or anything. And neither is Philly. If you got to see Philly play with Jalen Hurts, they, they actually kind of built their offense around him a little bit, and they, they look good. I mean, if Philly wins out and the Giants lose, which is very possible because Daniel Jones isn't playing. and Bradbury's the Cowboys out. Yeah, Jalen yeah. Hurts could win out. You never know. So we got to go for it. Go ahead, yeah, Brian. I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think – I think fans kind of see it that way, and I'm wondering if they they are lining up that way. But I just don't see Ron Rivera, and I don't see these guys after going on this win streak wanting to just kind of pack it up and phone it in on Sunday. So I think they're gonna they're gonna battle. I I think you know regardless of who's out there that they're gonna fight and make it competitive. 
Um, and Nate's right. I mean, Carolina kind of scares me. I hope that Ron wants to take it to his former team, but you never know if Christian McCaffrey all of a sudden gets right and is finally back on the field. And then, yeah, Philly's kind of unknown with, with Jalen Hurts out there. So I think you try to win every game you can. And I think that Washington's got to be thinking, you know, a couple weeks ago, and we've already talked about it a little bit, the Giants took it to the Seattle team. Like, the Seattle team can be had if they're going up against a good front. Yeah. And uh, I was just looking. Uh, the Giants ran for 190 yards. Now, I don't know if Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick <laughs> have 190 <laughs> yards nope. in them, but, you know, they can try to follow that formula. And you never know if you catch Russ on a – on a bad day, you pick off a pass here or there, you know, you could be very well in this game, regardless of who's at quarterback and regardless of who you got out there. So you got to try to win every game, but you also still, with the injuries, have to be thinking about the future and have to be thinking about uh, the playoffs. You know, one eye on the, the, the present, but also one eye on the future as well. I was doing the math on 180 yards for Peyton Barber, and I think that would be about 90 carries for him. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> he would need 3.1. Run that rock, baby. <laughs> Goodness. I mean, technically, he gets what's his average? Like two. It's got to be like I don't even I don't even know what the average is. Like you know, I don't care about yards per carry, but this is pretty bad. <laughs> but just in a in a funny world, we could be like, all right, if he runs it literally every down, we go for it on fourth down hypothetically he'd pick up the first down and just get down the entire field if he's averaging like three yards a carry. But I know he's probably nowhere near that. Um, he is. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 2.7 yards per carry this season. Yes, 2.4. Nice one. <laughs> he, hey, it was like one, so it's definitely headed in the right direction. More than doubled what it used to be. Peyton Barber. Yeah, God. Um, so speaking of momentum, I had a question come in. And by the way, this is a little nugget. If you go to Anchor and follow our podcast, you can literally drop in a voice question, memo, suggestion. If you want to tell us we suck, if you want to say, go tell Jason Wright to uh, make Kyle Smith GM, whatever you want to say, like this is literally always open. Um, And I got one tonight from a fan on Twitter uh, talking about momentum. So it's a good question that I wanted y'all to hear. Hey there, it's Christoph Trapp, lifelong Washington football fan. And my question for you guys is, how will we keep the momentum going? It certainly hasn't felt this good in a long time. And how do we keep it going? How do we uh, keep moving forward and hopefully win the NFC East? So, uh, go ahead. You go. No, you go ahead, Josh. So, you're talking uh, with Julie Donaldson the other day, Brian, and she said something that stuck out to me. Like the losses don't feel like they used to. Yeah. So even if we did lose this game, you know, to Seattle, I still think our team's going to show up, put on a fight. Like, I'm not saying we're doomed with Seattle. I think they're beatable, and I think New York showed how to do it, and I think it kind of goes in our favor. But I just feel like the mood of this team after the last couple of weeks is completely different. The team believes in themselves. I mean, you watch these locker room videos, you listen to the the post-game speeches that Ron gives. It is just a brand new feeling, and I just feel like the product on the field is headed in the right direction, win or loss. Like, they know who they are, and like Ron said, no one wants to play with this team right now. Guys on NFL Network are saying our Super Bowl window opens next year, which is (laughs) kind of crazy to talk about. So we're finally getting that respect nationally. Um, And John Kahn actually had a podcast with Mina Kimes that was really good. 
I highly recommend. She was talking about us at a national level. Had to put that in there. But anyways, Brian, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I think along those lines is just like, you know, keep the momentum going by not even paying attention to it. And I think Ron has done such a good job of that, of not letting them get too high. You know, I think we were kind of talking about last week was the emotional high of the Pittsburgh game. Was that going to allow for a letdown against San Francisco? And, and Ron didn't allow it. And those, those guys, those leaders in the locker room didn't allow it. And so I think that, you know, they know that they've won four in a row, but they also know that it doesn't matter on Sunday. The Seahawks aren't scared of them just because they've won four in a row. You know what I mean? So they're going to stay level-headed. They're going to do what they need to do, and they're going to keep doing the right things. And I, I think that goes back to, like you said, those locker room speeches, the, the guys buying into Ron's culture. And so, uh, you know, just keep – trusting what he's putting out there what him and 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 you know all the guys are, are are putting out there and and you're right the losses aren't that bad you know the losses seem to be close and they seem to be in all these games to where you know they can build off losses you know how many times would we see an awful loss from this team and then be like okay now where do they go from this but now we see a loss we see them you know have some good moments and then they can build off that they can be like you know what we came up short but we can build off that for the next week and so don't pay attention to the momentum at all and, and keep it going just just by not acknowledging it and just keep doing what they've been doing all season long just keep balling out nate what would your response be yeah so the nerd in me and the analytical side wants to tell you there's no such thing as momentum <laughs> or at least nice. i can't quantify it but the fan in me and, you know, someone who's played football when I was younger, like you can feel rhythm, you can feel confidence gaining in a game and you build on that. And that rhythm and that confidence, it starts at the top with the coaching staff, like calling plays. We talk about like uh, adjustments, how, how it takes two or three games to make an adjustment. The coaches now they're making adjustments play to play series to series and you see it every single game. Um, so, so they're definitely building on what they're learning and it's manifesting itself on the field consistently. And yeah, I mean, the, the players feel it, they, they, that energy, like it, it definitely translates onto the field. I will say last week, that was probably the, the better part of the first half Washington team we've seen both offense wasn't like crazy good. Obviously our offense just sucked last week, uh, but defense also first half looked much better than it has in previous weeks. And you mentioned adjustments. I feel like that's gotten a lot better. I think Turner's getting a lot more respect nationally, and same with uh, Del Rio. They're both getting talked about. Uh, like I said, with Mina Kimes, she was just saying how not only Ron, but these uh, coordinators have just stepped up their game and are making these adjustments throughout the season. So I think that's huge. Brian, you know what, you know what we do. We don't do predictions. We do headlines. That's right. So Brian – Come Monday morning, we're talking about this game. You pick up the newspaper. What does the headline say about this matchup? Man, I really, I think, you know, with the injuries, with, you know, I I don't know that Alex Smith's going to play. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I definitely don't think Gibson is playing, and I think that's going to be huge for the offense. Um, but I still think that they play this, this Seahawks team tight. I think they come up a little bit short, but I think just like we were talking about, it's something to build off of. They realize that they've got it right in front of them, and it sets them up hungry for the last two games of the season. So I think they come up short. I think they're in this game. I think they have a chance to win it. I just think that Russ is a little too much, and he works his magic a little uh, too much. And the Seahawks, you know, come out with the win. But again, on Monday, we're talking about, all right, this team is set up. Washington football is set up to win this division and to – 
to be a tough out in the playoffs. Nate, what's your headline? Monday morning. Yeah, I think it's going to be a we're on to Carolina. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's going to be – I think it's going to be really close, like 28 to 24. Um, I think Haskins is going to be better than people think because he's going to have a whole week of playing with the ones and they're going to tailor a game plan towards kind of what he's better at, which is like short passes, like mesh concepts, easy read stuff. Uh, I think it'll be better than you, you expect. But, yeah, I just – their offense is too much. And it, it's hard to expect the defense to just – like score defensive touchdowns and old Wait, we can't get two this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's hard to do. Uh, so I expect a twenty-eight to twenty-four Seattle. But I mean, I'm not that. That doesn't worry me at all. I mean, I still think we can win one of the next two games. Yeah, I agree. To me, especially with Gibson being out, like if, if it, I think it will be Haskins. Like we talked about, not having that solid run game hurts a quarterback so much. Like I think that's not talked about enough. Um, same if Carson isn't healthy with his foot, that's going to hurt Wilson if his starting run back is Carlos Hyde. Um, but I think that goes more towards us with Haskins. It absolutely helps that he's playing the worst passing defense in the league. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to be terrible. I'm not expecting him to be like, Oh, this is the number 15 overall pick that we drafted. I think he's going to be good enough to possibly win the game, but I don't think we do. Um, I think our defense is going to do what they do best, get to Russ. You see him get sacked five times against the Giants, which was just nuts. That's the formula. Get Russ uneasy. Take away those big plays. Um, but I think Russ doesn't cook. He just marinates. He's not going to cook. Go. He's going to put the seasoning on the defense, but not, not cook it all the way through. Look, wow. obvi- obviously I hope that Washington wins, and no matter how they win, I'll take a 3 nothing. I'll take a 2 nothing. I'll take a 3-2. to But <laughs> – that being said, I would love nothing more than Terry McLaurin to beat Quentin Dunbar deep, and I know that would that He's would. He's coming take... back this week, possibly. I know that's what I've that's what I've heard, and I would love nothing more to welcome him back to FedEx with seventeen running right by him. That would be, I would take that all day <laughs> long. Bizarre story, right? Yeah, oh, that, that was crazy. And now Baker's yeah. out, and uh, the agents locked up or whatever. That yeah, that whole story was kind of mind blowing. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand. Like, you're like a multimillionaire. You have all this money. Like, I don't understand how you get into like these hijinks. Like, how does that happen? Get a fall guy, like Chris Carter said, man. <laughs> That's right. It's definitely gonna be interesting to see if Dunbar does play because I think that'll be like the main storyline. Like, obviously, last week was Trent, Jordan, uh, Reed, and then like uh, Kyle Shanahan. Like, I don't know. The Washington team seems to hold on to grudges against players that were on our oh, team yeah. when we sucked. Like, it's not like they did anything, like, meaningful to help us. But Dunbar, I think we can all agree on he's on our hit list. Agree? Dude, yeah. It's, like, Dunbar is on, like, Twitter, like, literally, like, liking posts, talking shit about us, and, like, commenting. Like, you don't see, like, Kyle Shanahan on Twitter, no. like, ah, get you guys this week. Like, Dunbar, <laughs> like, I remember, like, last year, I tweeted something about how his contract was, like, a great deal for us because it was such a steal. Like, we were paying him nothing, basically, and he was playing, like, you know, a top-20 cornerback. And like he like he was the first person to like that dude. Like he he is disgruntled and oh, he yeah. wants to put it to us this week. I don't yeah. think it's gonna happen. No, I don't, I don't think so either. And, and I think that uh, Ron. I mean, you know, maybe before the season, you're like, is that all they got for a guy that you know was pretty solid last year? But that signing of Darby has looked way better than anything Quentin Dunbar has done this year. So oh, kudos yeah. to to Washington for making a, a solid decision there. I was going to say, Brian, do you think, like, they could move Fabian Morrow to safety to play a little bit of safety, like, every Ooh. once in a while? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's crazy to me, man. Like, what what has Fabian Moreau been doing? I feel like he does not, he rarely plays. Like, I'll look when at he does, snap he gets counts. Yeah, I know, yeah. he does. He really does. But you're, you're right. Like, I mean, does this allow for some of the versatility, you know, with the Shazer out, maybe it's a desperation move. But you're right, there could be some versatility there. That'd be interesting to see for sure. Well, Fuller played some safety at Kansas yeah. City, so I wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. He was really efficient at safety when he played here. But Moreau, like, we remember the interceptions. And what I'll say about the interceptions is those are really random occurrences, and they were thrown, like, right to him. Yeah. Uh, one was, like, a Wentz throw. It was awful. But, uh, oh, but Wentz, he, yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> I think it was the Giants game where he got roasted, dude. He got It was Slayton, I think, ran right by him. And it was, like, a terrible – like, all he had to do was – I think it was, like, cover three. So, like, there's no way you should be playing close to the line of scrimmage and – uh, yeah, he just blew right by him, and I think that's why. They just don't trust him like they trust the other guys. It really is such a hard league for DBs. I forgot who yeah. tweeted the other day, but the refs are against you. Like The fan base <laughs> yeah. is against you because you literally have to have a perfect game. If you give up one play, it's like, nope, yeah. I don't remember that You know, pass deflection you had six plays in a row. I remember that 20-yard yeah. gain you just gave up. Yeah, and so looking at Fabian Moreau, he's played one snap, three snaps, <laughs> zero snaps, 11 snaps. Right. Those are his. Those are his snap counts. They come in heavy spurts over the okay. last month. Yeah. So probably be zero this week, and then like twenty next week. No, but I mean, like in desperation, do they have to play him a little bit more? It will be interesting to see if he gets rotated out there in a couple different ways. Yeah, because you got to think uh, Apke is going to play more special teams because Ooh. of Everett. I mean, that's where it's really going to hurt us. It's not Everett so much on defense. It's Everett on special teams. That's where he makes more of an impact, in my opinion. True. Yeah. Stroman could step up more on special teams. He's been returning yeah. some kicks and stuff like that. So my last question for you, I, this is kind of has nothing to do with this game, but I asked it on Twitter and got a lot of different things. So Nate, I was doing a mock draft last night and it came down to getting a corner and a safety in like the fifth round. A lot of people yeah. say, no, we do not need a safety or even like a Paris forward in like the fourth round or late third. Right. Do you think we need a safety? Yes or no? Especially after yeah. these injuries. Ab- absolutely, man. But I think the path to safety is probably not through the draft. Um, the, the draft is, it's not a very good safety class. I think there might be yeah. one safety that goes in the first round. Um, but, but free agency wise, there's some excellent safeties. You have Simmons from Denver. You have Harris from Minnesota. Uh, there, there's like three or four really good safeties that are going to be free agents, and we have the money to spend. So, I mean, I, safety is definitely right up there, and I still think cornerback needs to be addressed because I don't know. You have to have depth there, and guys go down with injuries all the time. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, Everett's had a pretty lengthy injury history. Like, it just it's not like yeah. big long-term things. It's just a lot of, like, small things that have added up over yeah, time. Yeah, and – and I agree with Corner. I mean, how much of Ronald Darby playing so well is him trying to, you know, try to get a multi-year deal? Because he's only playing on that one-year deal. How much of this is him playing out of his mind, trying to get that next contract? And and we know that his injury history hasn't been great either. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think they can go wrong with adding to that secondary in a couple different places. We're good. I'll get back to my mock drafts tonight and not feel bad about it because – I love, I mean, I like defense in general, but everyone's like, no, stay away from defense when you're doing a mock draft. Like, look specifically at offense. And then there's the people that are, like, pissed off that I'm even doing a mock draft because, like, no, enjoy this team. This is this team's going to stay forever for 20 years. Like, this team's always going to stay together. I'm like, look, all right. Yeah. Look, look, man, I mean, like, they play on Sundays. We got to fill up six days the rest of the week. <laughs> I would go crazy to not talk yeah. about a team. You might as well 
look to the future and then focus all your attention on Sunday. I, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with yeah. like I was saying earlier, keep an eye on the future and then keep one eye on the present. Yeah, we didn't even get into the uh, 30 quarterbacks that are going to be playing at Washington next season. Um, yes. But, Nate, we're definitely going to have you back on to talk about quarterbacks Absolutely. and the uh, stats that you'd love to talk about with quarterbacks. And are you are you more mobile quarterback? Are you, like, fully dependent on that now? Or are you still like, hey, I wouldn't mind, like, a Jimmy Garoppolo like, yeah, man. Quarterback. quarterback is really complicated to evaluate. Because the most translatable traits don't always translate. Uh, I know that sounds like oxymoron, but uh, I don't have a preference necessarily. I, I do like mobile quarterbacks, but I do think we've gone too far to the right with that, where it's like you have to get a mobile quarterback or it's or it's wrong. And it's like, no, man, have you seen Mac Jones play? Have, yeah, I know you have, right? <laughs> He's got the dad bod, and I love it. There are plenty of good quarterbacks that sit in the pocket and are pocket passers. Like it's still a trait as long as you can manipulate the pocket and move around. Like like Philip Rivers does a good job of that, and he's not mobile at all. So it really just depends on the fit, man. But like right now, I'm I've told everyone this. I was I was talking to Tay and Todd about this yesterday on their show, but I'm I want to trade up in the draft, and I know that's like anti-analytics, and that's not like me. But I think this is the year to do it. There's going to be five or six quarterbacks that go in the first round. And really, I feel like there's two tiers that I want to get to. We're never going to get to Fields. We're never going to get to Lawrence, obviously. But the next tier, you know, uh, Trask Jones, is Trask, there. Ritter, yeah. yeah. And, or not, well, I feel like Trask is in that third tier, actually. But I should say, like, Lance and Wilson are there. Uh, and I, I think three of them will go in the first ten picks. But I would love to trade up. I don't care. Like, I'll be aggressive all day with the most important position in sports. Not well, bad. so that, that... – that leads me. I know we're we're far away from next season. We still got a lot going on here. But uh, Nate, if you had to pick a quarterback on you know before week fifteen, uh, before the rest of the season, before the off season, who's starting at quarterback for the Washington Football Team to open next year? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I think uh, right now I would lean, I would lean towards Alex Smith. Um, I know he has a, a like you can release him next year for like a fourteen. I think it's fourteen. 15 mil like cap hit or something like that which sucks um but i think he'll do just enough so they're going to use him as like a bridge quarterback uh, i just i think it, like if we win the division it's gonna be really hard to get to lance and it's gonna be really hard to get, get to wilson yeah um, so I, I feel like and, and it's not very likely that they're going to start a rookie anyway to begin with so i'd go with alex smith or, or kyle allen if he's healthy i kind of think that's where we're at so you're anti free agent quarterback draft a guy and oh, be I'm a not bridge or yeah, like if you're saying like what do I want to do? Yeah, I, I'm looking at I'm gonna exhaust all options before I let Alex Smith walk on the field again for them or Kyle Allen or Dwayne Haskins. So draft is my first preference, uh, trading up, or uh, we don't win the division, we have a chance at Wilson or Lance, and we go from there. But uh, but yeah, man, like I like Stafford. I like the idea of. Uh, I feel like Stafford is the one everyone talks about, but like if Dak, for some godforsaken reason, if Dallas is stupid enough to let him walk or they don't have the money, you you swoop up Dak in a second. Uh, I heard people like tweeting like anti-Dak stuff, and it would be the dumbest arguments. Like, bro, have you seen his win-loss record in the playoffs? They were eight and eight. Like, like like he had like one of the most prolific seasons of a passer in NFL history last year. And you don't want that, really? You're too good for that? Like, because come he's on, a cowboy. Man. Like, that's what it yeah, is. That's yeah, that's the hate. I'm not like a top 12 quarterback who's still really young and mobile. He's everything you want in, like, some of these guys like, uh, you know, Lance. You know, like, he, he is like that already. So I don't I don't understand it. It's, like, it's got to be a cowboy thing, I guess. 
<laughs> it's got to be. But that's definitely something that we're going to watch throughout the rest of the season going into next season. Like I said, Mina Kimes talked about it on the podcast with John. She agreed. She doesn't see Alex Smith as being like the long-term success for – if you make it to the playoffs, like can you win enough games with him? I don't think so. But hopefully yeah. we can this season. But we have the team around it to win. Nate, go ahead and plug your uh, Twitter handle so people can give you a follow for your great yeah, content. Right. You can catch me on Twitter at uh, Jayhawk Chalk or uh, Nathan Coleman. I'm always putting out some what I think are interesting uh, stats or analytics or just, you know, talking shit on people if they don't agree with my takes. But uh, at <laughs> time, and uh, I'm excited for the game this week. Yeah, welcome to Twitter. That's that's what <laughs> most of it is. Numbers, hot takes, and trash talking. Gotta love the it. Gar- the garbage pill that's Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the so landfill. Brian, we will be back on Sunday night to talk about the game. Once again, Nate, appreciate you coming on. Definitely going to have you on in the future. Talk about some draft picks and this team's future. So, Brian, we will see you on Sunday night. Sweet. See you all later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.